Here we go. If you have your Bibles, grab them. We'll continue in our series in the book of John chapter 8. Hey, go Titans. Go Titans. Tighten up. All right. John chapter 8, starting in verse 12 is where we'll be this morning. Give you a second to get there. If you don't have your Bibles, the words will be on the screen. You can look there. All right, John chapter 8. Here we go. Starting in verse 12. John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes the very words of Christ, and he says this. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I come from and where I'm going, but you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh, I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I am the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would have known my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I'm going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come? He said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? And Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning, I have much to say about you and much to judge. But he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. And that I do, not, do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father has taught me. And he who sent me is with him, is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, one of the skills you learn when you become a parent is you learn to walk and navigate the darkness. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's 3.30 in the morning, and uh, you hear the dreaded sound of a baby crying. And you get up. And you're walking through the hallway, and you get there, and you just know if you could just put the passy in, everything will be okay. And so you're in the crib, and you're looking for the passy, right? And you can't find it. So now you're on the floor, and you're, like, looking for it. And finally, it tips your finger. You're like, yes! Oh, and you put it in, and you tiptoe out, and you think all is well, and you think it's good, okay, and you shut the door. And then you let your guard down because you've been in the darkness for a little bit. And so then you begin to walk back and all of a sudden you hit a landmine Lego. And you're like, oh, gosh. Right? And then you probably trip and like smack your head up against the wall and, and just laying there in the dark. You're like, what was that? 
and your foot is throbbing and you can't see, you find it and you're like, what is this? And you pull your phone out and you're like, and you say that kid's name who left the toy, oh, I'm gonna kill you. And you hobble back to your bed. Y'all know what I'm talking about. See, in the middle of the night, you don't want to turn the lights on because to turn the lights on would either wake everybody else up or, you know, it would blind you, it would shock you. And you don't want to do that, so you leave the lights off. You stay in the darkness because it's more comfortable for everyone. But in the darkness, you can't see. You may think that you know where you are. You, uh, you, you might think you know something or where something is. You may think you understand where you're going, where you're walking. You might think the path is clear, but the only way you really find out for sure is by turning the light on. Typically, when we talk about light and darkness, we think about light being good and darkness being evil we got to think a little deeper than that. You see, darkness is more than just evil. Darkness conceals. It hides things. Darkness is ignorance. It hides the truth from you. It, is, it, it, it makes things unknown. It makes things a mystery. But light reveals. It shows you what is really there. It illuminates. It shows you the truth. When we get an idea cartoon how do we illustrate it but a light bulb going off the lights have come on it is like a kid in his room afraid of the shadowy monster that he sees on his wall only to turn on the light to realize that it was only a shadow of his toy on the floor all along darkness spreads lies Darkness hides, darkness conceals, but light reveals. It reveals reality, it shows us what's real, it illuminates, it shows us the truth. And so we read this amazing claim by Jesus. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The question that you must answer this morning is, are you walking in darkness? And if not, what does it mean for you to walk in the light? How do we walk in the light? Three points for you note takers. Point one, the world is in darkness. The world is in darkness. It is an amazing thing how two people can look at the same thing and yet come, without, come out with two different outcomes, two different perspectives on that thing. Two people can be in Hawaii and look out at uh, uh, the, the sunset over this beautiful, crystal clear ocean and see the, the purples and the pinks and the yellows and the reds and this beautiful sunset and, and feel the, the cool, salty breeze on their skin in the middle of this warm day. One person can look at that sight and go, man, isn't God good? That God would paint this masterpiece in the sky. He would make something so beautiful. And another person could stand right beside them and look at that same sun sunset with the same colors and the same breeze and the same crystal clear water and look at it and say, wow, isn't it so interesting that all this happened by accident? And that even the sun falling, hitting, hitting the water molecules at the right way, creating these colors and, and, and the ocean by, by accident being here, isn't that neat? Huh. 
the world is in darkness. Their eyes cannot see the truth that is right in front of them. Well, it should be so obvious, but they can't see because it's dark. They can't see the truth. It's blinded them so much so that it's as if everyone is walking around living like they are blind, never knowing that sight was possible. See, when the world looks at things around them, they don't see a designer. When the world looks at the world, they they don't see someone who fashioned it, who made it to be enjoyed. They don't see people as created in the image of God and his likeness who have value, dignity, and worth. They simply don't see the world. They instead see a dim shadow of it. It's like standing in the dark and seeing a person. You can see that it is a person. You can, you can see that they're tall or short. You can kind of see their outline, but you can't tell who it is. You can only see that it's a person standing there. And this is how the world sees everything. And yet they think that they see clearly, but really they only see a dim outline. The world lives in darkness. They believe that they can see all there is. And that belief, they think that belief in God or a designer is silly, it's foolishness, it's a, it's a childish fairy tale. They believe it's more akin uh, to the Wizard of Oz standing behind the curtain in Oz. They believe that God is a figment of our imagination and that we've made him up. Sigmund Freud once said that, that God was invented by people, and, and so if we were actually a species of birds, then God would have had wings. God is therefore just a figment of our imagination, another man-made idol that should be toppled. See, the world believes that they can see. They think they can navigate the hallway and not step on a Lego. But what they can understand, what they can prove, all there is, they think this is all that there is. See, that central belief, that this idea that this is all there is, leads the world to think and live wrongly. It leads the world to think, uh, that, that, to, to think that war is good because what matters to the world is not a future kingdom that is not of this world. What matters to the world is power and wealth and conquest. That getting more land is important. That getting wealth is important by having a legacy is important because this is all there is, so why not? We gotta get it now. Because of this darkness, the world doesn't treat other people the way we should. When there is no God to tell us that black people or Jewish people are just as valuable as white people, that they're creating the image of God, then of course we would enslave them. Of course we would slaughter them. Why not? If survival of the fittest and natural selection is all there is, then we should let the strong thrive And the weak should die. Because this is all there is. Isn't that the way the world is? That's why one atheist Peter Singer said, the notion that human life is sacred just because it is human life is medieval. That's a man living today. And why the famous atheist Richard Dawkins has told multiple mothers expecting Down syndrome children to abort them and try again. You see, if this is all there is, then let the weak die and let the strong survive. 
Not only does the belief that this is all there is lead to a wrong view of the world, it also leads to a wrong view of self. It is the reason why when people in the world look at themselves, all aspects of of absolute truth go out the window. That's why we have phrases like, you know what, I'm just living my truth. You don't tell me how to live, this is my truth and it makes me happy. If it's true for me, then it's okay. I should be able to live my life however I want, whatever makes me happy. I should be able to dress like I want, live like I want, marry who I want, be the gender I want. And if it makes me happy, that's all that matters. Truth is irrelevant. And when you're living in the dark, that certainly makes sense, right? When you're living in the dark, that makes sense. When you can't see and the truth is hidden from your sight, suddenly it makes sense why the world is the way that it is. The world is simply feeling around in the dark, trying its best to find answers to the hardest questions in the world, doing the best job they can to make sense out of what they simply cannot see. You see, when the world is nothing but the random alignment of cells and oxygens and molecules that happen to come together to create life, when this is all there is, then truth is not real. And wandering around in the darkness is all there is. So why not just do what makes you happy? Why not do just what makes you feel good? Let the weak die. Let the strong survive. Isn't it simply the circle of life? Whereas the New Testament says, if God isn't real, then eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. Live, live it up now. Do what you want now, because if it's not true, tomorrow you're going to die anyway, and it's all going to be over. Nothing really matters. See, the world is in darkness. The world lives in ignorance because they have no light by which to see. Point one, the world is in darkness. The world lives in darkness. Point two, the world has hope because the light has come. There was a time in the Old Testament when the people of God were slaves in Israel. Many of you are familiar with this. And God had dramatically rescued them. He, he Remember, he parts the Red Sea. He delivers them across the Red Sea. But then they find themselves in a desert. They find them. Shh, Siri, say your name. She's looking up like the Old Testament. So, the, so, they're in the, so the, uh, God rescues them, they're going across the Red Sea, but then they find themselves in a desert. If you've ever been in a desert, you know that in the daytime it's super hot, in the nighttime it's super cold, and there's just sand. And here they are, these people, and, and it's incredibly hot. They don't know where they're going. They don't know where to go. They don't want to go left, right, straight. They don't have nowhere where to go. They're in the darkness. And in the moment of their greatest need, God became their light. The presence of God literally came down, By day was a pillar of cloud, and by night was a pillar of fire. In the daytime, he shaded them and went before them and led them, and at night, he was their light and kept them warm and led them, went ahead of them and showed them where to go. And it was the presence of God. God himself was their guide. He was their light in the darkness. He showed them where to go. So now, Picture Jesus. They have just finished celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles, which was a ceremony, a a feast, remembering that very time when they were in the wilderness and God was leading them with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, by his own presence. They've just celebrated that. Now Jesus is in the temple, and he looks at this crowd, he stands up and he says, I am the light of the world. 
Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Understand what he's saying. He says, I am, which to us may not seem like a big deal. It may seem like the least important part of the sentence when he says, I am. But it's actually the most important part of the sentence. And the people Jesus was speaking to would have immediately understood. Because when Jesus says, I am, he's actually telling them that he is the very most holy name of God. It's the name that God tells Moses in the burning bush. When Moses says, who should I tell them sent me to save you? And God says, tell them that I am sent you. It is where we get the word Yahweh. You've heard that, Yahweh? It is the most holy, special name of God. It was so holy and special that in this time in Jesus' life, the the Jewish people would not say it. And when they were reading the scrolls in the temple, and they would get to a place that said Yahweh, instead of saying Yahweh, they would actually, so you got to understand Hebrew, they would take the vowels out of Yahweh and replace them with the same vowels from another word, Adonai, which means Lord. They would take the vowels from Adonai, put it over the consonants of Yahweh, and made a new word, Jehovah. And so instead of saying the holy name of God, Yahweh, or I am, they would say Jehovah, because they could not utter that name. It was so holy. And here Jesus stands up and he says, Yahweh, I am the light of the world they would have immediately understood what he said. They would have immediately shouted, blasphemy! There would have been gasps. There would have been shock that he would say such a thing. But in this moment, Jesus makes it clear that he is the same God who spoke to Moses in the burning bush. He is the same God who his presence was the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. He is saying, I was the God who lit your ancestors' way throughout the desert. I was the light to them. I was the pillar of light that guided them and kept them warm. And now I am coming to say, that's me. And not only did I light Israel's path, but now I am the light to the whole world. Jesus is saying, I am God, I am Yahweh, I am the great I am. And I came to light up the whole world and your whole life. You see, Jesus knows that you have been walking around in darkness, living in darkness, and he has come to turn the lights on. He has come to show us the truth so that you can see the world, so that you can see yourself as you really are instead of living in ignorance, so that you might live life in light of the truth, so that you might live not wandering around aimlessly in the dark, but live in confidence in the truth and the light. See, the only way that we get the light on and can see is if someone else turns it on for us. We can't turn the light on. Someone else has to turn it on for us. It's like this. It's like a lighthouse. You know, back in the day before GPSs, when, when, when ships would be navigating the ocean. They had one thing that could keep them from crashing into the rocky shore, which was a lighthouse. When they saw the light from the lighthouse, they they knew to stay away, to keep their distance, because that is where land was. But they were dependent on the bulb not being out. They were dependent on someone being there operating the lighthouse, making sure it was running. They're dependent on someone else to guide them away from danger and to Calm waters, deep waters. The world is in darkness and doesn't even know it. 
We are completely dependent upon Jesus who came to turn the lights on, to be the light of the world, to light up our life, to show us where destruction was and to lead us into safe waters. The world lives in darkness. The world has hope because the light has come. But how do we walk in the light? He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In many ways, this is a simple idea, right? If you follow Jesus, you won't walk in darkness. You won't be blind anymore. You won't be ignorant of the truth anymore. Instead, you will see and you will have the light and it will lead you to life. So are you still walking in darkness? Or have the lights been turned on? Do you see and live in light of the truth? You see, when you live in darkness, you respond like the Pharisees do. The Pharisees hear Jesus say this, and immediately they start just taking these obscure Old Testament verses and, and trying to make an argument with Jesus. And they're trying to say, there was an Old Testament verse in Deuteronomy that said, if you're going to convict someone of a crime, you've got to have two witnesses. And so they say, well, you can't say that, Jesus, because there's not two witnesses. Who, who else is going to be your witness? So they start trying to argue with Jesus and show him how he's wrong and reject his claims. The whole rest of that paragraph is them just futilely arguing with Jesus as to why he's wrong. You see, as it turns out, the Bible is right in John 3 when it says, and this is the judgment, that light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. You see, people get so used to being in the dark. You know how your eyes adjust to the darkness? We get used to living in darkness that they forget that there was ever such a thing as light. And rather than admit, maybe I've been living wrong, maybe I've been thinking wrong, maybe I've been believing wrong, rather than doing that, they need and, and turn to the only source of life. Rather than doing that, they simply say, it's easier to stay in the dark. My eyes have already adjusted. If you like the Pharisees, how often have you met people who make excuses? who just want to argue away as to why they don't believe in God. They want to make cheap arguments. They want to laugh it off. They want to ignore it. But ultimately, it comes down to this. John says, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light. It does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. See, for many, if coming to the light means that I have to admit I was wrong, if coming to the light and knowing the truth means I have to admit that I was wrong, I'd rather stay in the dark. And Jesus says, you will die in your sins. You will die in your rebellion and you will die in ignorance in the dark. So are you hiding in the dark or have you come to live in the light? What does living in the light look like? If you know me, you know I love stories. And recently I heard this really, really old fairy tale. I thought this was helpful tells about a young man who lived in a dungeon. And he had lived in this dungeon his whole life, and so had everyone else he ever knew. And he was told his whole life, and he believed it to be true, that this dungeon was all there was. This was the world. There was nothing outside of the dungeon. This was it. And because of that, the only colors that he even knew existed were brown and gray and black. Well, one day, Another man came to the dungeon from another part that he had never been. A, a man was transferred to, to this part of the dungeon. And this man began to tell him, the people around him, that, that, that he had been lied to. That this, world, that this dungeon wasn't all there was. That there was actually another world out there. And he began to tell them about trees and about grass and about the sun. 
and about blue and purple and orange. And he would carve on the walls of the dungeon pictures of trees. And they would look at him and say, what is that? Many people didn't believe him. Many people thought that he was a kook, that he was crazy, that there's nothing else out there. This is all there is. So one day, uh, the man was gone. He got transferred back. He was, he was out of there. And, but the young man, I'd always wondered if he was telling the truth or not. Was, was the stories that he told about this other world real? One day, sitting in his cell, he heard this scratching on his wall. He didn't know what it was. When all of a sudden, an arm came through. He pulled back, and there was this hole in the wall. And he looked through the hole and he saw what looked like the same scratching on the wall. And he looked out and he saw a man and it was that same man. And he said, I told you this world was real. I'm actually a prince. And I'm coming to save you. He said, it'll be a little while, but just realize this. I'm coming to rescue all of you and to bring you into this world. But until I get there, look through this hole. Look through this hole, see the tree, see the blue sky, see the sun, and know that it is real and live in light of the hope that it's there. See, this young man's life was changed. He wasn't out of the dungeon. He was still living in the dungeon, but his whole life now was lived in light of this knowledge that this dungeon wasn't all there was, that there was a whole other world out there. And so he could live in a completely different way because his cell was actually only a little part of a much bigger world. You see, that is our story. That though we live in what often seems like a dungeon, that we live in this broken world, we have glimpsed the coming kingdom. And now, because we've glimpsed it, we can live in light of that world that is coming. And it changes us. It changes us that we live here differently because we know the future. Because we know the world that is coming, we can live in light of that world. And so, Two ways to consider, two ways to think about how living in the light changes us. One, the world. See, when we understand that this world is not all there is, we see and live in the world completely different. We see people, all people that have value, dignity, and worth, and life should be protected. We stand up and against all forms of racism. We stand up for the rights of those who look different than us. The church should be leading in the way on fixing the homeless problem, leading the way in racial reconciliation, leading the way in thinking well about immigration. After all, we are simply immigrants because this world is not our home. We are foreigners here. You see, we treat other people with kindness and dignity because they're not just random acts of evolution. They are designed by a creator made in his image. You see, we live in this world not being concerned about power or wealth or legacy because we know that this world is passing away and we can't take any of that with us. That our money doesn't spend there. Our wealth won't spend there. It's no good there. So we don't put our hope in politics to fix any kind of problem. That our political leaders actually don't have the power to fix the real problem, what's really broken. See, we don't believe in a president, but a king, a king to which all rulers will one day bow. See, our view of the world begins to change when the lights come on. And and then, too, we see ourselves differently. 
You see, where you once lived, as the Bible says, in accordance to the passions of your flesh, you just did whatever you want, where you once did what made you happy, whatever made you feel good, now you see that what makes you feel good is often a cheap imitation of what you were actually designed for. See, when you come into the light, the light reveals the truth about you. And you actually begin to see that you're more broken, more sinful, more messed up, and more dirty than you ever thought you were. When the lights come on, you see in the mirror and you go, oh my gosh, I didn't realize what was all in there. That your actions were worse than you thought, your feelings were worse than you thought, and your thoughts were worse than you thought. You see that you were far more sinful than you ever imagined. But an amazing thing that at the same time, in the light, you simultaneously see two things. You see that you are far more broken and sinful than you ever thought possible, but you also see that you are far more loved and accepted and have more joy than you ever dared hope. See, people don't want the light for fear that their sin, their brokenness would be exposed. But actually, when the lights come on and your sin is exposed, it sets you free. Because the Lord forgives you and covers you. He takes care of every fault. And his light leads you to life in a way that actually brings you true, deep, lasting joy, not cheap, quick imitations. See, the light sets you free by showing us the truth, that if you look in the mirror, you see more scars and yet more beauty than you thought were possible. You see, we're living in a dungeon, but there has been a prince who has knocked a hole in the wall. And so we can see the shape of things to come. And so we need to live our whole lives in light of what we see. See, to follow Jesus is truly to see if Jesus is the light of the world, he is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. If this world is all there is, then you will die and return to slime. You will die and return to ashes. But if the old stories are to be believed, then you are made for more than that. You are made to be in the lights. You are made for something greater. You are made to have value, dignity, and worth. You are made for thrones and crowns and great deeds and love and laughter and bravery. You are made for light and high beauty. You are made for another world. Lewis says it like this. I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. Or to say it another way. Faith is believing in what you can't see, but faith is also seeing everything in light of what you believe. Do you see this world in light of who Jesus is and his kingdom that he is bringing is, or do you live in darkness? See, the world says this is all there is. The world is in darkness, and they say live however you want, do whatever makes you feel good, makes you feel happy. Let the strong thrive, let the weak die. Well, I'll tell you what. I don't want to live in that world. I want to shine the light of Christ. I want to turn the lights on so that the world might finally wake up and see. See that this broken, evil dungeon of a world is not all there is. That there is a whole other world out there that is beautiful and kind and glorious and radiant. And that there is a prince who is coming to rescue us and take us to that world. The world you have always longed for even if you never knew it. But until that prince comes to rescue us, we must live here in the dungeon in light of the knowledge that his kingdom is real. And we must tell everyone that this world is not all there is, 
The darkness is not all there is. There is light and high beauty in the kingdom of Christ. Come to the light and you will finally see. And once you see, you will never be the same. Let's pray. Father, you have made a world that has been cast into chaos and darkness. And so you have promised to fix it. You have sent your son, the prince, to come show us a glimpse of what that world is like. And we now await the day when he returns to bring us to that world. But until we get there, Father, would you help us, Christians, followers of Jesus, to live in the light of what that world is. Help us to see ourselves and to see the world with new eyes, with the lights turned on. Not just a dim reflection of what the world is, but to see it truly and clearly. Give us eyes to see. Jesus, you are the light of the world and you have lit up our world and our life. Jesus, help us to see that our lives are different. That we're more sinful than we ever thought we could be, but yet more loved than we ever thought we could be. God, if there's anyone in this room this morning who has been living in darkness and ignorance, feeling their way around, trying their best. And today they would say, man, I wish there was another world. I long for there to be. Is it true? This morning, would you come and let us show you a way to peek through the hole, see a glimpse of the kingdom that is coming, the world you've always longed for, though never known it till now. If you're here this morning, and you need to pray, God, help me to live in light of this truth. Help me to live in your light, that you're the light of the world. You are to be my light to my God. God, help me to live in light of that. Help me to see myself in the world the way you see it. To treat other people like you've called me to treat them in light of your truth. There's a man on the side that would love to pray with you. I'd love to pray with you. We'd love to talk with you. If you want to just come up and pray for whatever is going on in your life, you're welcome to do that. Jesus, give us the strength. We love you. In Christ's name we pray all those people said. Stand and sing.